You're listening to a feed of the Association of Music Podcasting at musicpodcasting.org. So many years, all people are listening to music, and they like it, but only few of us know that music is... These are the tunes I want you boys to play. Wait a minute. Homer? A lot of these are Grand Funk Railroad songs. Oh, we don't know Pac-Man Fever. Oh, come on, it plays itself. A Pac-Man Fever, a doodly-doo. It's driving me crazy. Cookies, huh? Daddy's in the who. G'day, I'm Eric, and welcome to episode 509 of Eric FM International. Coming to you from the Eric FM studio here in Western Sydney. I'm in reminisce mode as we come to the end of Erkafem International at the end of this month. And let me tell you that that time is rapidly approaching. I'm in interview and reminisce mode again. And on this episode, I'm going to present to you three separate interviews which were originally episodes of Erkafem way back before Erk FM International was even a thing in December of 2011. Back then, in 2009 and 2010, when most of these interviews were done in 2010, I was keeping the shows down to about an hour. But with uh, greater internet, and, you know, I like longer shows, they gradually turned into basically two-hour shows. But at this stage... Basically, any show was about an hour, and with interviews and whatnot, of course, you've only got limited time. I really enjoyed these interviews. These were early interviews that I've done for for Eric FM. Two of the bands that we're going to hear from, Troop Hazard and also Emerald, aren't together as bands anymore. Uh, Troop Hazard just broke up recently, and it's been a bit longer, the end of 2013, for Emerald. The Fuse, who we'll also hear from, they're still going strong, which is awesome to hear. Now, it's always very interesting to hear the various bands and how they formed and how they get together and how they write their music and everything like that. Unfortunately, you know, people change, people go their different ways, there's lineup changes and everything like that. But let's go back to 2010, four years ago, hard to believe, isn't it? We've Troop Hazard. Emerald and also the Fuse. You're listening to a feed of the Association of Music Podcasting at musicpodcasting.org. In 2009, Irk went to the dark side and became a music podcaster. He discovered a wide, wide selection of music, apart from Dozy Doe by Julie the Band. It's now 2010, and Irk comes down the pipe and into your ears, bigger, stronger and faster. Every Friday, it's Irk FM time. Now, here's your host of Irk FM from Channel Irk, here's Irk. Thank you. 
G'day, I'm Irk, and welcome to episode 65 of Irk FM. Irk FM is my music podcast and is a part of Channel Irk. For more information, go to www.irkfm.com. As you know, if you are a regular listener, Irk FM comes down the pipe and into your ears at the end of each week, but on Tuesdays is interview day. And so this episode is coming to you down the pipe and into your ears on Tuesday. And we have a special guest on the line from England. We have Steph from Trip Hazard. G'day, Steph. How are you? Hi, I'm not too bad, Jill. I'm, I'm doing super. Absolutely love your accent. Got to say that up front. <laughs> it's all right. So whereabouts in the UK are you from originally? Hey, I'm from Liverpool. If you can't tell it already. Sometimes, being Australian, I have some problems absolutely narrowing it down, especially if someone's moved, ar- especially if someone's moved around. But it's it's all good anyway. Uh, apart no f- apart from all these music shows that I listen to, and the music that I listen to, most of my experience listening to UK accents comes from the TV series The Bill. Um, All right. <laughs> so you understand where I'm coming from. So tell us a bit about how Trip Hazard started, but I, but I believe Trip Hazard wasn't the original name. Uh, no, the original name quite a long time ago was Hegenemy, um, but obviously people couldn't pronounce that too well, so that soon changed to Trip Hazard. Uh, we formed when we all went to high school together. Uh, I was originally a solo artist, and then further down the line decided I wanted to get a band together um, so me and my sister got in the band and then two twin brothers Paul and Mark and that made Trip Hazard Awesome so you've you've been together for how long now? Uh, over five years now and it, and it must really be interesting and also beneficial to have your sister on board as, as part of the band yeah, yeah, it keeps it all in the family, it keeps it all easier as well to keep on track of. And so, who does what in the band? Just run through for those those of us who aren't as familiar as the band as you are. Who who does what? Uh, I'm the lead vocalist. Uh, my sister plays keys and does backing vocals. Mark plays guitar and does backing vocals. And Paul plays drums. Awesome. And so, are you the, are you the main songwriter as well? I write all the lyrics and the melodies and the rest of the guys write the music, so it's quite evenly split, yeah. And that's one thing that I'm that I'm interested in. When it comes down to writing an idea for a song, how do you get your ideas? Um, for lyrics, I guess it's like life experiences, but the last song we wrote, what we did is just threw in a load of different sentences, arranged them in a certain way and then made them into a song and it worked quite well. Um, so everything else is based on life experience, but that time is a little bit random. But it worked well. So sometimes do you just get together and go, okay, we need some new songs. Do you just sort of get together and what, have a big yeah, brainstorming yeah. session? Yeah, yeah. Well, what we do is just kind of write your song to what direction, whether we want a lively song, a slower song. Um, and then we get the music together and then put the vocals on top of that. Um, but it usually works quite well that way. And so what sort of music do you love playing? 
Um, well, our own genre, really. I prefer to play like more upbeat things that you can dance around to. Um, I think it's safe to say Jenny, my sister, prefers like a slower song, like a ballad. Uh, and I think the two other guys are just happy with whatever, really. <laughs> so why don't we give our listeners a bit of an example of what Trip Hazard could do? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll let I'll let you pick I'll let you pick a song. Why don't you introduce a song for us? Um, the first song then to be played would be Stop Rewind Fast Forward. We've got a video to that. Um, you should check it out on YouTube. Yeah. 
Wow, that was Stop, Rewind and Fast Forward. How did that song come about? Um, I'm trying to think. No, we wrote it quite a while ago. Um, it's kind of about going out on a night out, having a few drinks, having a good time. Um, and one of the lines is, it was the best night of my life. So it's just a pretty upbeat and happy song. Cool. So if you're just, you know, walking around, doing it, whatever it is that you do when, when you're not performing, do you sometimes just get a bit of inspiration and think, you yeah. know, I've got to write that down? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my phone comes into use on that one. If I think about anything, everything got jotted in my phone as a message and then gets pulled out when it's on writing time. I've, I've always wondered about that because apart from musicians, I've also... Um, spoken to authors, people who write books and that sort of thing. And it's funny that some people, they'll be asleep at 3 o'clock in the morning and they'll have an idea. Some of them will do something about it. Some of them won't. What would you do if you had a great idea when you're asleep for a song? Would you wake up straight away and jot it down on the phone? Yeah, probably. If I thought about something, yeah. I guess I would, if I was, if my eyes opened wide enough to kind of work my phone. <laughs> but I probably remember it to be honest. You know, it's it's interesting. Sometimes I get a reaction that people actually have a notepad by the bed, uh, so they can write that sort of thing down. Some people have those sort of ideas when they're in traffic, and you know that that could be a little bit harder. Who are you guys? Yeah, think- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think I, I kind of think about more things when I'm awake. Uh, I think I sleep too heavy to actually think about anything else but sleeping. Uh, so I'd say I'm quite a day writer, if that's the word. No, that's that's cool. So who who are Troop Hazard musically influenced by? Um, we're all influenced by different people. Um, I'd say I was influenced by No Doubt, Blondie. A few new artists, maybe a little bit. I've just come out that are more dancey. Um, Jenny's more influenced by people like Fiona Rappel, um, Regina Spector, people like that. And then the twins, Mark and Paul, they're more influenced by, I'd say, like Blink-182, um, kind of the punk genre. Um, but now they're progressing more to 80s dance, which is pretty cool. No, that, that's quite cool. I'm, I'm surprised... Although then again, you're only a young band, you might not, but being from Liverpool, everyone would say the Beatles. Yeah, but I guess it's a a generic thing to say. (laughs) Um, Obviously, we are influenced by the Beatles, like I guess everyone in Liverpool is, but I don't know, I thought I'd give you something that wasn't as generic (laughs) as uh, everyone else would give you. No, it's, it's funny because when it comes to websites, what I do on the show is... You know, I'll mention some influences, say people have got an idea uh, who the people sound like. And yeah. you'll be surprised, even by younger artists, how much the Beatles are mentioned. Yeah, definitely, yeah, totally. Um, obviously, they kind of started the whole music scene and changed it, and it did shift. So I guess everyone's influenced from that. Um, and they did write really good music as well. So I'd say they are an underlying influence, yeah. So have you released any EPs or any albums as as yet? Yeah, yeah, we've released an EP called Fake Up. Uh, it's available to download off iTunes. Uh, we released that quite a while ago now, so 
hopefully we're going to be getting back in the studios this year and getting new material together to release hopefully by the end of 2010 but these things can take time so tell us a little bit about the studio process you guys all all get together and i presume do your bits separately is that the way that it usually works for you guys yeah i mean what we usually do is like what's called a scratch track so we all play together in a live scenario so to speak kind of get the tempo get the vibe uh, and if anything needs going over or re-recording we'll do it on top of that because um, we tend to find if we play separately it tends to slow the tempo down it doesn't get the right atmosphere so we just do it all together and then any bits that need kind of re-editing we'll go back and go over that now you mentioned playing live and that's one thing that I want to get onto now. How good is it for you to play live? Um for me personally I think it's the best part. Um especially when you get like a room that's ramp packed full of people, they're all listening to me your music and dancing. Um but obviously the other part in writing the music and practicing and kind of the experience you have within a band is good. But definitely live performance is my favourite. And so what sort of venues do you do you perform at? I'm obviously not as familiar as the music scene over there. Um, well, we've played up and down the country pretty much everywhere, but uh, I guess one place that you will know is The Cavern in Liverpool, um, a place where the Beatles have played. Uh, we've played at The Cavern, which was really good. Um, and we've played like after-show parties for bands like Franz Ferdinand as well. Uh, that was in London, which is pretty cool. Um, but we've played pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so, how do you physically and mentally prepare for a for a gig? If if you are, let's say hypothetically, you've got a gig on a Friday night, how do you prepare for that? Um, honestly, I don't really think too much about it. We just turn up, do our sound check, uh, and then go on when it's our time. I don't think too much about it in all honesty I think the less you think about it the less nervous you are and then you just go on and do your thing so let's hear another let's hear another track and and this time I think we'll go with just another number yeah yeah that's cool
You heard there just another number by Trip Hazard, and joining me from Trip Hazard is their lead vocalist, Steph. What was the hello? hello. <laughs> what was the story behind behind just another number? The song we just heard. Uh, just another number is kind of a vague story, in all honesty. As the title suggests, it's kind of just another number. Um, there's not too much to tell behind it, in all honesty. So we were talking before the song about about live performances. Do you have a set set list each time, or do you vary it up? Um, well, recently, what we've done is the last band practice we had was yesterday. Um, I used to go on stage and kind of do it spontaneously and just pick whatever song felt right to play. Um, but it was a bit confusing for the other guys. So yesterday we've compiled our list and then we'll have our set track list for every time we play, which will make it easier to change settings on the keyboards and things like that. Because it, it's quite easy It's quite easy for for you because you know what you're about to sing. But as you said, with, with things like keyboards and... And possibly even the guitar, things do yeah. have things do have to change. So, so that's good. Do you have a favourite song that you love performing live above any of the others? Uh, Stop rewind, fast forward. It's a bit of a favourite, but we've wrote a new song called uh, "Can't Stop This Feeling." We've not performed it that many times live. We're still kind of getting to grips with it and getting the feeling with it when we're playing it to audiences, but. I think once we get to grips with it, that's going to be really good live. And I presume that the crowd also love love that song as well. That the yeah, yeah, totally. It's quite upbeat, quite dancey, and everyone likes that kind of music. The the scene's kind of shifting in that direction, so it goes down well. So that's cool. So, how have things such as MySpace and are you guys on Facebook as well, or just MySpace at the moment? Uh, yeah, we're on Facebook as well, yeah, yeah. Um, and MySpace as well, obviously. Uh, the MySpace page has been on there for absolute years, so people generally try and go to the MySpace page rather than the Facebook. But if you want to visit our Facebook page and become a fan, that will be fabulous. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes, but how has things like MySpace and Facebook and I also see you're on Twitter as well. How how does that how does that help you interact with the fans and attract more people? It's like our main source of communication with everybody in all honesty. It's enabled people to listen to our music, see our videos, see what we're doing, and um, people to become a fan, come com- like communicate with us, find out when our gigs are. I think to be honest, it's it, it's helped us a lot, especially being an unsigned artist as well. So I have to ask this question. Do you guys do other things apart from um, being Trip Hazard? Because there's a lot of bands, and you guys may be included, who are trying to do this around full-time work. It's not your day job yet. Um, No, it's not our day job. We're all students at the moment at university. Um, Me and Mark graduate this year, um, and Paul and Jenny graduate next year. So is that the ultimate aim, to be able to perform full-time? Is that the aim? I'd love to do that, definitely, yeah. Um, That would be the ultimate aim, to be a full-time band member. It sounds pretty cool as well. Um, So hopefully when we graduate, maybe that'll that'll be be so. (laughs) 
th- that would be quite cool. So, what is the best way to get a hold of you guys? I will put a link in in the show notes, of course. Um, the best way to get a hold of us is Facebook or MySpace. We've got a website at the moment as well, triphazardmusic.com, uh, and also Twitter as well. All forms you will get to us. <laughs> I do have to say that Trip Hazard is an awesome name and it's a lot a lot better than the original. Have you ever thought of getting the the little logo that you have like on the signs of the wet floor of the guy tripping? Have you ever thought of that? We've thought about it but we decided to go with the exclamation mark. We thought it had kind of more of an impact and I'm guessing that the man tripping over is going to be copyrighted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Copy, copyright's always an issue, isn't it? doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so thanks, Steph, for joining us to take us out. Uh, we'll, we'll finish with, with another song. What song would you like to hear to finish? Uh, the last song is The Tumbleweed Hour, and thank you for having me. No worries. What's The Tumbleweed Hour about? That's the, that's the new one? Um, yeah, it's a pretty new song. Uh, that's a song about me. Um, being in a well, an awful job uh, and being pretty bored so hence the tumbleweed hour when no one's there and it's an actually dire moment <laughs> awesome so thanks Steph and here are Trip Hazard
have been listening to a Channel Irk production. Channel Irk and all five podcasts are licensed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative, share-alike license registered in Australia. Music is used with direct permission or under agreements with various music providers. All rights to the music contained within remains with the original rights holder. Some sound effects are sourced from the Free Sound Project under Creative Commons. For more information about Channel Irk, go to www.channelirk.com. You're listening to a feed of the Association of Music Podcasting at musicpodcasting.org. In 2009, Irk went to the dark side and became a music podcaster. He discovered a wide, wide selection of music, apart from Dozy Doe by Julie the Band. It's now 2010, and Irk comes down the pipe and into your ears, bigger, stronger and faster. Every Friday, it's Irk FM time. Now, here's your host of Irk FM from Channel Irk, here's Irk. FM is my music podcast that comes down the pipe and into your ears at the end of each week. And of course, during that time, we bring you some great independent music from around the world. And over the last few weeks, we've also been bringing you some interviews with some of the artists. And this is actually a bit of a first for me on FM. On previous interviews, I've spoken to a solo artist or one member of the band... But today I have the entire band with me. Now, we'll find out why they're together in a moment, but I'd like to welcome to Irk FM The Fuse from the UK. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, Eric. How's the UK today? Well, we're all really excited because the Six Nations are about to start. Uh, the rugby. Um, so there's lots of people around, lots of Welsh people are wearing Welsh shirts and... Um, yeah, because there's England-Wales today, so that's a lot of buzz in London about that. Here comes another train. Now, when we were talking, when we were talking before we started the episode, um, we found out that you're very close to a train line, which is interesting for me because I'm a train driver here in Sydney. Where exactly are you? We're in uh, Waterloo, uh, just literally right by Waterloo Main Station. We're in the sewers, in, underneath in, the tube. In, in London. No, we're not. In a railway arch is where we are. Rat-infested railway arch. Oh, that, that sounds rather cool. So, if you hear any train noise, guys, um, ladies and gentlemen, fellow listeners, um, that's what the noise is. Now, we have the whole band. We have um, we have Alex with us, who's on lead vocals. G'day, Alex. How are you going, mate? Yeah, very well. Very well, thank you. Yeah, very good. And how did you how did you get started? Um, well, me personally or the yeah, band? Oh, we'll start with you personally, and <laughs> oh, then, we'll, then we'll, we'll work our way up, I think. Sorry? We'll work our way up, I think. We'll start with you and we'll work our way and find out about everyone and then we'll see how you yeah. all came together. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I started writing songs in, you know, when I was 15. I always wanted to be in the music industry and went through, you know, various bands and so on and so forth. Um, this particular band... Uh, we've been together in various uh, guises for a little while, but um, we formed as the Fuse last year in, 
well. We decided on the name finally in May. Um, but we've been playing together before that, but we kind of got this identity at May 2009. That, that's pretty cool. And so who are you influenced by? What, who are your inspirations when it comes to music? Um, <clears throat> I, I'm one of those boring people who is sort of influenced by everything, but I think if I had to give you, um, if I had to give you top, top my top influences, I'd probably say um, Coldplay, Radiohead, um, uh, Guns N' Roses, um, Nirvana, Queen, something like that. Awesome. So we'll move from you and we'll move to Jake. G'day, Jake. Hi there, Eric. And you're on keyboards and vocals, is that right? <laughs> uh, keyboards, vocals, guitar, bass. No, I'm actually, I'm actually the drummer of the band. That's one thing your your bio that I'm reading from doesn't mention, actually. So I don't know why that is. I think it's because um, I think it's because Rob maybe did the um, the entry on. Where are you getting your info from? Um, from from Airplay <laughs> Direct. Yeah, because Rob did that profile, and I think he might have confused um, our roles a little bit. Yeah, Jade was the woman in the band. Yeah, understandably. Yeah. He thought I was the woman <laughs> in the band. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm the drummer of the band. So, but I, I used to sing at one stage, but I, then I thought that really wasn't working. So, just kind of left it up to Kiki and Alex, sole the drummer. So, Jake, how did you get started in music? Oh well, it's a long, long story, but um, we've all had it a lot. I basically got into the drums when uh, I was at secondary school and um, yeah, just kind of started off with kind of five to ten minute lessons with a teacher and then it just sort of progressed from there. I got the drumming bug as it were and uh, when I changed, uh, to my, uh, I went to another school later on in my secondary life and um, kind of decided to, to take it up as a, a sort of principal study and um, yeah, to sort of progress from there, and then I got into production as well. And Alex and I started working on some stuff, and kind of it's just one big, one massive snowball since then, to be honest. Now, I'm going to ask you a really dumb drumming question from a guy who has absolutely no musical ability apart from possibly playing the recorder in high school. <laughs> Now, when when you're playing things like the recorder or other wind instruments, you've got, you know, different fingers over different holes mean different notes and that sort of thing. And when you're playing the guitar, um, you've got, you know, different fingering and strumming and all of that sort of stuff for different notes. But what yeah. about drumming? How does, how does that work? Do you have, like, set notes that you're playing according to what drum or cymbal you're hitting or are you just going for it? Well, I think... It depends, really. I mean, there is actually notation um, for drums and drum beats and stuff like that. But generally, I think it's just kind of just go with it and just kind of, you know, go with what the feel is. Especially with our sort of music, there's no kind of notated drum parts. It's just whatever <laughs> kind of feels right, really. And it's um, I'm not claiming to, to pull out the best beats or whatever, but it seems to kind of work <laughs> sometimes. Awesome. Um, I've always I've always wondered about that, and you're the you're the first drummer that I've actually spoken to on FM, So I thought I'd ask you the question, mate. Oh, cheers! Nice one, mate. My pleasure. No worries. And so we'll move on to Mike, and we'll, I think I'll ask Mike what he does rather than. 
Hello, Can Mike. Hello, Hello, Mike. Yeah. Oh, do we have to... Yeah, Mike, go ahead. So what do you... Sorry, mate, I missed that. I play the bass. You play the bass. And what What brought you to the band and what brought you to music? How did you um, get into music in the first place? Um, well, I actually first started playing the, the guitar when I was about 15. Um, and actually... Well, this band was added in 98, I think. Um, well, 96, really, yeah, really, 98. Um, and they needed a bass player, so I kind of just switched, really, and just carried on from there. Ah, cool. And, and hello, Kiki, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. And so what, what, do, you do, in the, what do you do in the band? What? Um, I play the keys. The keyboard. All right. How, how do you how do you find that? How did you how did you get into playing the keyboard? Um, well, I learned the piano when I was younger, and um, basically, I actually met Alex um, in Italy when we were both doing um, a year out there during uni, and he was singer songwriting, and I kind of joined joined up with him and did a bit of vocals with him. So. We kind of just went on from there, and then I picked up the keyboard because I kind of played classical piano before, but uh, now it's pretty much synths and um, pad sounds and things. So technique-wise, is there any difference between playing the piano and playing the keys? Um, yes, I would say there probably is. I mean, you've got, to keep, you've, got to keep, <laughs> you've got to keep time and everything still, but it's not like you're um, playing... I'm not playing sonatas or anything at the at the keyboard, so it's more chords and just giving a kind of um, overall atmosphere to the music rather than coming out with my own kind of uh, arpeggios or, you know, <coughs> musical <laughs> repertoire. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, that's cool. And and finally, we say hi to Simon. Hi, Simon. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Good, mate. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Not bad. And you no, you, no, you're fine. And okay. no, you're all right, mate. You okay, Alex? Thank you. So, Eric, hit me. Okay. And how did you get into music? And what do you do in the band? Uh, I am a guitar player in the band. Sole guitar player. Uh, I got into music when I was 14, 13, 14. Uh, I went to a friend's house and he had, electric, had an electric guitar and he played Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana and I was hooked from then on. I went home and said to my mother, I must have an electric guitar. Buy me one now or else I'm going to destroy your house. And, <laughs> and she did. And it's been downhill from then on in. Awesome. Now, now that we've said hi to everyone and we sort of got a bit more of an idea about who fits in where, I think now's just as great a time as any to play your song Hello. Um, who would like to tell me about the song Hello, how it started, um, what the song's about? Uh, Alex speaking. Um, I think well, the song originally came out of a riff, uh, which I thought up on the train coming in from... Cambridgeshire a while ago we played it round and 
kind of launched the song and then it developed really slowly over about two to three months um went through various guises it was a really slow song to come together structurally um and then yeah we kind of put it together in jake's studio initially and um jake and i kind of worked on the melodies and production and then inspiration for the song is you know it's just a sort of a romantic story about a missing a girl i guess so, so, so true to life indeed so here we go this is the fuse the guys that we're listening to now with their song hello
You're listening to Irk FM episode 72, and on the line from London in the UK, we have The Fuse with Alex, Jake, Mike, Kiki, and Simon. So, how was band practice, guys? Well, it's going well, but we're trying to work on a new song, actually, so we've been kind of taking it apart and seeing what we can do with it. Indeed, never an easy, uh, never an easy job, but we're getting there. It's a struggle, but we're getting there. And so, how often would you get together as a band to to um, basically practice? Every week. Yeah, we do. On the whole, we, we try and get together about yeah four or five times a month. Um, when we've got gigs, we we do a rehearsal before a gig. So I guess we practice six. Six, seven times a month, something like that, when we've got gigs on, um, which is most months. Now, uh, so yeah, about that. So, in your bio, you was you guys were saying that the band was formed in early two thousand and nine, after you all lost your jobs due to the credit crunch or the global financial crisis or whatever it is that you'd like to call it. It's now early two thousand and ten. Are you all still unemployed, or do you have jobs now? Um, no, we, we were all one way or another uh, in employment. Um, we we had to kind of you know do a bit of thinking to get the money coming back in, but on the whole, yeah, we're, we're back on our feet. That that's good because one thing that I've been trying to stress during these interviews is that the vast majority of the artists that I'm playing are probably doing this around a day job. There'd be very yeah. few people, I'm presuming who can actually, at the moment, do it full-time, although that, is that the aim, full-time, band? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I th- yeah, it's absolutely, yeah. Uh, we we want to, of course, take it uh, to the level where you know, the money's enough to keep everyone out of uh, day jobs, but um, the industry, the way it is, it's, it's sort of tough at this stage of our careers to earn enough from music, so yeah, we, we all um, <coughs> subsidise our musical ambitions. And because there's so many of you, it's that little bit harder um, rather than just a solo artist. You know, there's there's more of you, so there's more costs and, you know, you've got to cover it a bit more. Thinking about getting rid of the drummer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the drummer that's first to go, isn't it? Poor drummer. Poor drummer. <laughs> poor drummer boy. So, when you all got together, how did you decide who does what? Um, well, we, we were all fairly well-defined in our roles. Um, I think we've all... I mean, I've always been a singer. Mike's always been a bass player. Jake's always been a drummer. Simon's always been a guitarist. Kiki probably had to morph a little bit from, um, you know, from, from piano to keys, but it's not a, it's not a massive step of... Um, you know, imagination to change this means more buttons and um, more effects. More effects. More nod twiddle. It's a twiddle, yeah. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's it. Does that, does that answer your question? Oh, I, I, I think it does. And who writes all the songs? Um, we, we put the music together generally in rehearsals. Um, I write most of the lyrics, melody wise. Jake and I probably do the majority of it in, in terms of vocals. Um, 
they that, quite often come organically, though, just while we're kind of having a break and Simon suddenly starts on a little riff and then Jake will bring his drums in, Mike will come in and suddenly we've got... And before you know it, pow! Which is great. It feels really good to, to um, produce music like that. And, and again, because there's so many of you, there's so many different ideas rather than just someone who's who's flying solo or maybe one or two out. So you can all get together and you guys just sometimes at practice just play together and just see what happens? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, a, it's a pleasure to play together. I mean, no, we're, we're all good, good friends anyway, so we kind of hang out and get fun. So, so what happens if you're away from the band or, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and you're asleep and you come out with a really awesome idea? What do you do? Alex has a dictaphone and he records everything, don't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, put, put the idea into a phone or whatever. You know, something like that. Just really yeah, you've got to... Keep that capture that moment, so you can't just go back to sleep. You've got to record it somehow. So we use our mobiles or whatever we have near us to get a record of it. it. That's interesting because I usually ask everyone the same sort of question, and and some people will say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll write it down," and others will record it, and others will just go, "No, I'm, if it's if it's you know still great when I wake up." And if I've been thinking about it for a few hours after I have the initial thought, well, then it's worth writing down. Because I, my memory's so bad, I'd always forget something like that. So yeah. I always need to record everything. That's a, that's a risky approach, I think, because you might just forget it, or you might never wake up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now there's now there's a song. <laughs> I was asleep, and I came up with this really great idea, and then I went back to sleep. And then I didn't wake up. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> You've got the number one hit there. <laughs> Very metaphysical. I'll, I'll, I'll let someone else do the singing because um, I'll probably be banned again from singing on my own podcast. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a, it's an awesome idea. And so, tell me about how you all mentally and physically prepare for a performance I'm presuming for everyone you've ang- you've all got your different little nuances and so- superstitions um I think mean, we, we we dress in you know our stage clothes and um I think more physical more mental I think I, I don't I don't know do we do much I do a Mike bit of warm up on the guitar punch, and punches a few Mike punches a few times <laughs> <laughs> I always like to slap Jake to get him worked up yeah. um, in the mode and he hits me back and it's, a small fight breaks out and then we're all really pumped up to the stage no we kind of all gather behind behind the scenes and just have a, a few mellow moments I think really and then and then um, go on and do it sometimes we do the conga as well in the no, backstage we don't. <laughs> you know, nothing like a conga to get you going <laughs> Great. They're a real, real load of jokers, these guys. I'm quite tired. Really <laughs> and so, describe the feeling for me of playing live. What does playing live mean for each of you? Great feeling, Alex. Um, I, yeah, at, at its best, um, 
it doesn't it's not always the same it's not like you kind of switch it on and off but um as a band uh, you know there have been a few occasions where i you know i feel we've gained a like a real connection with the audience when that happens it's just really uplifting you know that the music kind of transcends everyone into a new state and it's, it's the best feeling in the world which is why i do it personally you know that's that's my quest is to, is to get that feeling more often you know and so is it easier or harder playing in front of a smaller audience? It can often be liberating in a way because there's, you don't really feel a burden of to to impress and suddenly you know, the expectations are off and you can just enjoy it and you, sometimes you have your best, uh, your most free performances can take place and in front you, of a, three dogs and a, you know, and a cat. But you can really sort of... Um pinpoint the reaction as well so if there's just a mass of people you can't really see but if there's only a few and you can tell they're really into it that's great so it doesn't really matter how how big the crowd is but obviously if there's 300 people it's, it's quite a cool feeling yeah so do you have groupies we do have a few groupies Mike's got to a groupie isn't he <laughs> no um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, no, we, we do have some groupies actually. Um, There's a few young girls that keep coming along. Yeah, you know, a few fans, like quite a lot of fans on Facebook who, you know, they stay in touch and stuff. So yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't say we've got a massive fan base, but it, it, it's growing and it's um, yeah, we've we've got a few people who are pretty loyal, so that's nice. So you mentioned you mentioned Facebook. How have you found the social networking such as Facebook and Twitter and, and MySpace? What do you use and how do you use it? Um, we focus mostly on Facebook. Uh, we've got a MySpace account, but certainly in the UK, MySpace isn't, apart from in the professional industry, it's not really widely used. Like Kids aren't using MySpace at all. Um, Facebook is much more important. All to us. about Facebook. So yeah, we, we, we focus on Facebook mostly. And so, is there one person out of you all that, okay, you are the Facebook person, you know, you do it all, or do you share it out between you, each of you? Um, Alex does most of it, but we can't yeah, meant to share it. We're all admins on the page. Um, I think I probably post most of the stuff up there. But we've got quite a good turnover of fan, of fan input <laughs> on the page as well. Um, so, it kind of, you know, up to a point, takes care of itself. We just keep new stuff putting new videos and like this interview we'll put up on there and you know people come along and the idea is to try and create a platform which is self-sustaining you know people are interested enough to come along and, and listen and watch and so on so it's kind of you know it's, it's going okay it's got some life awesome are you guys on the twitter yet yeah we do we do tweet um simon and i i think are the only people with a twitter output as it were um we actually we had a, we've had some we've we've got some 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 followers not a lot in fairness but um, you, know, uh, you know occasionally Twitter's not so big for us. How how does Twitter over there say compare with things like Facebook? How how does it compare with you guys? It sounds like Facebook is is the main avenue. You could put more things on Facebook, so I guess it's can't you? I mean, I don't really know yeah. much about Twitter, but Twitter's kind of exploding over here at the moment though everyone seems to be joining it but I think Facebook's a better vehicle for us really. Twitter I think Twitter 
Twitter is big for very famous people. People are famous already. Like, um, I don't know. It's yeah. We we don't we're not major on, on Twitter. Twitter's good for a few contemporaneous comments. You can't actually can't tracks or pictures or anything like that. It's uh, Facebook gives you the best of both worlds. I think. And and of course, you know, you do have the option of going from one to the other or from one to, or one to the other. But I, I find that it's that it's good to make like initial contact with people and sort of have one on one conversations. Most of my conversations, for instance, are one on one between me and someone else and I could be having five, six, ten conversations at the same time with, you know, obviously five, six, ten different people. On Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah. it can be handy, but I can see how, for for a band, you definitely have to have the whole multimedia thing. You just can't have like a static website anymore. Um, people want to be able to hear your songs. They want to be able to watch the videos and all that sort of thing. And I always encourage people to go to my show notes at ekfm dot com and click onto the links for the bands and go through and. You know, find out more about you and listen to some music. Buy, you know, buy music and all of that sort of thing. So, so I, you know, I try and do things that way for people. Yeah, no, that sounds sounds good. Sounds good. And so, let's have another song. This song's called "Crazy Love." Who would like to tell us a bit about that song? Jake. Uh, this is "Crazy Love" by Fuse. So you got to say a bit more about it. Oh, what my, uh, this, I don't know what it's about, actually. I'm still a little bit unsure of myself. You know, I've played it for a number of months now. Um, I, I really don't know what it's about, but um, I'm sure your viewers can make up their own mind. It's about a crazy type of love, one which I don't really want to dissect right now because <laughs> Alex is right here and you don't really want to dissect Alex's uh, love life. It's, <laughs> it's rather complicated and non-existent at times, but... Um, <laughs> Let's not talk about that, let's talk about the song. So here's Crazy Love from The Fees.
You're listening to AKFM episode 72 and from London in the UK we're talking with The Fuse and that song we just heard was Crazy Love. There's no bromances going on. I hear that word so often these days. Um, I'm almost sick of it already. Bromance. A bromance. Yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a pretty major brand, um going on, yeah. So, have you all got, like, a favourite song? Um, yeah, mine's Shape of uh, Shape of Your Heart by Sting. Is this by us or by someone else? I will pick, you know, pick one. One by yourselves, one by, you know, someone else, doesn't matter. The ones I love of our own, are, um, I love Phantom and I love Shine. Uh, everybody knows the way. They should all be on the website. And Everlong by Foo Fighters. That was Mike, he said, everybody knows the way and Everlong by the Foo Fighters. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I miss Mike, but, um, you know... We'll, <laughs> we all we'll, miss Mike. No. Nah. <laughs> Well, my uh, my favorite song, my favorite song by us is, is Phantom and Shine. I agree with I agree with Keeks. Classics, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, and my personal uh, kind of song outside the band is uh, Death to All But Metal by Steel Panther at the moment. Oh no, awful. Um, I can't. I've got too many favorite songs outside of the band. I can't even. Oh. Um, my favourite song, um, yeah, I've got a couple actually. I like um, Everybody Knows the Way, like Mike said. I think it's a solid classic. And um, yeah, as far as bands outside, I really like Rebellion Lies by Arcade Fire. I think that's quite a cool song. Now, I'm always interested, especially when it comes to your own to your own things, to see if there's a one particular song that you that people like more. What about the what about the fans? What song do they like out of your collection? Um, uh, we we generally get called on to play uh, Phantom quite a lot. Um, and everyone, know, everybody knows the way people love that. Painless Town has been popular, but you'll hear that soon because we haven't. Quite yeah, we're just about to launch Paint This Town. It's our new single coming out um, in about two weeks' time. Um, but we've been playing it live for a bit and it's had a great reception, so um, that's to come. Awesome. So for each of you and, and also for the band as a whole, what does the rest of 2010 and the future hold musically for you all? Um, <clears throat> well, we've got uh, some releases lined up and... You know, we've had pretty good radio play the past two or three months, so we're um, just looking to escalate, really get more fans, Maybe spread the word. play as much as possible this year as well. Get, um, spread the music. Yeah, just continue continue expanding, really. Um, we, may have a, um, we may have a little tour lined up in Poland uh, in the summer. And, uh, and some festival dates as well. We're trying to get in some festivals. That'll be fun in the summer, in the sun. So, yeah. so have you guys done festivals before, or is that something new for you? We played we played three last year, um, which were pretty pretty fun. You know, festivals are great. So, for our listeners that aren't aware, briefly tell us the difference between a festival and 
and a normal gig. What what extra goes into a festival? Well, there's just more people and it's outside and everyone's really on a feel good vibe. Yeah, as well. it's a better, so better atmosphere. It's usually a festival is over either a number of hours or over like a couple of days, and people camp and everyone's just there to have a great time and it's a great great atmosphere whereas a gig I suppose is just a one night one night event yeah and I'm presuming with a festival it's a lot easier for you guys to go out and check out the other people that are playing and also for the fans to talk to you um, rather than at a gig yeah, yeah, you know, the, 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 in some respects, there's more of a backstage at a festival. Though, so in some respects, the band's more separated because you know, smaller, smaller venues, you generally mix with the bands afterwards. But festivals, you're often backstage and stuff, so um, can be like that. Well, at the at the at the moment here in Australia, it's summer, so we've got a few major music festivals sort of going around the place at the moment. And what they're also trying to do over here, and I'm not sure if they're doing it over there, uh, is combining concerts with sporting events. Uh, For instance, we've got a game of cricket coming up where ACDC are going to be playing afterwards. (laughs) And and last year um, we've got a form of motor racing called V8 Supercars and they've had um, several groups perform at that after the racing each night and apparently even Pink um, will be playing at the at the Sydney race um, later in 2010. Have they started will she to be do racing that? or just playing? Sorry, say again? Will she, be, will she be racing cars or just playing? Oh, I, th- I think she'll just be singing because what they oh. do, they have the racing during the day and then at the football stadium where the where the precinct yeah. is, they have like the performances at night, and so yeah, they're trying get, to like musicians in cars racing each other. I think that would be a spectacle that everyone would want to see. <laughs> All right. we, we we're playing um we're playing at something called Rugby Rocks. It's a new festival in um in England. It's its first year, but we'll be playing that. So yeah, the idea's over here as well. It certainly is a good draw card because you get the people who are into the event and they'll you know they'll go to the event during the day and then they may decide to go to the concert at the at night but then again you may have people who are just going for the concert and vice versa so i think some promoters are trying to think outside the square and sort of use all the infrastructure that and the basically the captive audience that you've got and so yeah i think it's a good idea I think all that, a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Um, Eric, we, we, the office we're in, the um, owner wants to come back in. Um, do you think we could wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, I was getting cl- getting close there anyway. So, so I'd like to thank you all for for being on. Um, it's a different dynamic for me, one on one compared to one on five. Um, certainly been certainly been a lot of fun. I'd like to thank you all. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. Our pleasure. No worries. So from the fuse, we have Alex, Jake, Mike, Kiki and Simon. Yeah, uh, that's me, Simon. Don't forget me. <laughs>
mate, that's that's a bad thing about being having a first name starting with S, mate. They always seem to put you down the bottom. Oh, well, I know. It's Simon Lowe's been down the bottom. Bloody crime. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know the feeling <laughs> with, with my with my first first name being up towards the top of the alphabet, but the surname being down near the bottom. I certainly know how you're feeling. So, good luck with with 2010, oh. and hopefully, you know, if you've got a new single out, we'll be able to play it and. Spread the word and spread the love, and best of luck. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Have a good Sunday. No worries. So that is The Fuse, and as we say here on Irk FM, good night interweb. Bye. Bye. All right. have been listening to a Channel Irk production. Channel Irk and all five podcasts are licensed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative, share-alike license registered in Australia. Music is used with direct permission or under agreement with various music providers. All rights to the music contained within remains with the original rights holder. Some sound effects are sourced from the Free Sound Project under Creative Commons. For more information about Channel Irk, go to www.channelirk.com. You're listening to a feed of the Association of Music Podcasting at musicpodcasting.org. In 2009, Irk went to the dark side and became a music podcaster. He discovered a wide, wide selection of music, apart from Dozy Doe by Julie the Band. It's now 2010, and Irk comes down the pipe and into your ears. Bigger, stronger and faster. Every Friday, it's Irk FM time. Now here's your host of Irk FM from Channel Irk, here's Irk. G'day, I'm Eric, and welcome to episode 73 of Eric FM. Eric FM is my music podcast that comes down the pipe and into your ears at the end of each week. Of course, Eric FM is my music podcast that is a part of Channel Eric. For more information, go to channelerk.com. Normally, Eric FM features some great independent and podsafe music down the pipe and into your ears at the end of each week. But over the last few weeks, we have been featuring some interviews on Tuesdays. If you would like to check out some of the bands that I have interviewed, go to erkfm.com and click on the interviews, and then you'll see who I've interviewed. On the line now, we have a couple of members from the band Emerald, who I played a few weeks ago. We have one, and we also have Thomas. Hi, guys. How are you doing, Eric? 
Nice to be here. I'm listening to you on here. I'm I'm doing I'm doing super. I'm doing super. How's things on your side of the world at the moment? Cold. We're having some Very seriously cold. bad weather here at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had to move from house to house just to get a connection. So we're I think we've been lucky to get a connection today. Oh okay. So, I've got otherwise right. I've got no I've got no complaints about the connection whatsoever. Actually it's sounding pretty good. Whereabouts <laughs> are you guys at the moment? We're in North London, a place called Barnet actually. So in the UK, uh, so we're getting the weather is not too bad, but it's it's been pretty bad. So it's getting better, but yeah, it's all good at the moment. A bit of snow and but it's all right. A, a lot of snow, <laughs> <laughs> a huge amount, but we're, we're recovering. Oh, that that's good. You know, lots of inside activities and probably a good time for some songwriting and and rehearsing if you can all get together. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've been, we've been doing a lot of that. We've been utilising the time well, actually. I say we're working on our next album, so yeah, that's what we've been doing, to be honest. Awesome. So, how did each of you get involved in the music game? Well, for me personally, I've only been doing it for about five years. I was in, I was playing in a covers band mainly in the UK because I've, I've been in the UK. I'm Irish originally. I moved to the UK about uh, sixteen years ago, and I started playing music over here about five years ago. I started off in a covers band as a drummer and for the first three years I done it, I really enjoyed it and then I just wanted to be more creative and feel more fulfilled so I wanted to start an original project, what I did in the latter part of 2006. So I went on the hunt to find good guys, you know what I mean, the best position I can get in each position, a bassist, guitarist, vocalist and I, and I think now I've done that, I've achieved that so and we're all very happy as a unit, as a band. So me personally that's how I've got involved, I mean but Yvonne here has been in music a long long time, he's got a lot of experience He's worked on cruise ships. Well, he'll tell you himself. He's got a lot more experience. Yeah, we've uh, been around 20, 20 years uh, working, but more covers. And now we had an opportunity to for this original project. And, and Tom writes very well. He, he had uh, all the songs. Every uh, I was the last to get in the band. So uh, I got everything I, everything ready. For me, it was easier. <laughs> I got the, very, very easy. Now, no, you, was now mm-hmm. you guys have got a really multicultural band happening here because there's some of some of you who couldn't be here for this interview. Why don't you tell us about the people who aren't, who aren't here as well? Yeah, of course. Oh. Well, there's, um, there's Ashley, of course, Ashley Cooper, who was supposed to come today, but he's had a back injury last week, and it's a pretty bad back injury. He's recovering, and we had a gig Sunday night, which he couldn't attend. We had to get a session musician in who worked with us regularly in case, you know, he could keep up the speed with all the songs, so we had to, he had to fill in for us. So Ashley to go to a physio today. It, did, it didn't work out for him. So Ashley is from the UK. He's British, and then there's Alessandro, who's Italian, and uh, there's there's Mauro, the other guitarist. He's um, Italian also. So yeah, it is pretty multicultural, and it's, it blends a lot of different cultures and ideas together to bring about what Emerald is, I suppose, today. You know. So is that a benefit having people from from different cultures, so you can you know do a bit of bit of um, variety? I believe so. I believe so. I mean, I've never worked... This is my only original band I've ever worked in, so I don't know what it's like to work in a, a singular ethnic group. So, for me, I, I see a benefit. I see different ideas. I see different uh, avenues of creativity. So, And the blends of people's different ideas does come together. I mean, and I have to be honest, the, the guys in the band are very, very high-level mu- musicians you know, on, on their instruments, and, and, and they're pretty smart as well when it comes to bringing the music into the studio and the creative side and I'm making it all work so 
yeah, I have to say, personally for Emerald, it's worked very well. I'm very happy with what we've got. So who who decided on the name Emerald? I did, I did. I mean, that's that's got the Irish background to the Emerald Island. So I thought, I always said if I'm going to start an original project and if I had the opportunity to do it, I'd call it Band Emerald. I just, I just like the name. And yeah, it's, it's stuck well with us, I think. I think you were um, quite lucky to get it and also with a... Um, Reasonably easy um, website addresses as well, like emeraldrock.net. Pretty, pretty easy. I thought with a with a common name such as Emerald, you'd have a bit of a hard time. Yeah, we we're quite lucky because Emerald was taken up in, on everything. Just just Emerald was taken up. So I thought, well, you know, I have to call it uh, double barrel Emerald something. Or even though the band is called Emerald, it's a singular. We had to obviously use a double barrel name for the website address. So I thought, well, Emerald Rock sounds about right, and. Uh, went on the website see if I could register and yeah it was available and uh, came about and registered and that's it so the website is Emerald Rock yeah one of the things uh, sorry go ahead so no so yeah no that's it no I was just finishing off that statement about the um, and the same on MySpace it's, it's Emerald Rock as well so we've we stocked both we've, we've kept it Emerald Rock yeah as, a, as an address good. so it's cool yeah good, good idea um, because that's one of the things that can be really difficult for bands is getting that online identity right. You know, on on MySpace, you're you know one group, and on, you've got your own website, and then you've got Facebook or whatever. And I know with yeah. me personally, I hate mentioning website addresses on the show. You know, I try yeah. and refer people back to the show notes because you know you get some bands that have got difficult names, and then you start spelling things out, then you start <laughs> making even more mistakes than I do. Um, on an ordinary basis anyway. So I yeah. always refer people to the show notes, you know, and it's not to say that I'm not promoting the bands, it's just easier that way it sort of sounds better to um, to do it that way. And speaking of your website, it's a great website. Who came up with the logo? It's one of the things that I mentioned when I played you guys originally. I did. I came up with the whole thing, actually. See, with me, I'm I'm not really see. I suppose the easiest way to put it, I'm not a true and true musician. As a, as in, where the guys have been musicians all their lives, they've started off with music. I mean, in Ireland, when I was studying, I learned uh, traditional instruments like bowron, flute, and tin whistle. But obviously, they're not major instruments. So for me, when I started the band, I looked at it more as a business, getting the business end of its side because music is one of the biggest industries in the world. So I wanted to get a good name, a good commercial name, which could you know easy to remember catchy name, and also devise a good logo. So I looked at the business sense, I wanted to get something good, and I had some design it. So, yeah, I mean, that's the reason why it's, that, that it came about, really, you know. So I wanted something good, effective, and, and people remembered it. Uh, why don't you describe uh, the logo for us? Because I, I can say, and you'd probably be better off to describe it and the inspiration behind it. It's funny, actually. The, the logo, actually, probably most people would know it from the originality of it. It's, it's the, from the SAS logo um who dares who dares wins it's 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 just it's their logo and, it, and it's it's exactly like some very similar like that it's got the it's got, it's got the wings and it's got the the towers coming out and it's got a it's got a it's got a sword coming out the bottom but it's got that logo engraved across the the bottom part which says uh, who dares wins and it's a, it's a famous logo for for the SAS which is obviously the special forces military over in 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 Britain so I, I took that and I thought oh that looks good I like that we can just redo it to make a, a, a like more musical style and put uh, who dares rocks who dares rocks into it. I thought yeah that 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 could be quite catchy so you know that that's where it actually came from 
And then, of course, instead of the sword, you've got the neck of the guitar, which which is an awesome look. Exactly. Yeah, we just tweaked it a bit, so obviously it it, it was obviously designed for for the music as, as a logo for for the band. So yeah, I was very happy with, it. And, pe- and people just generally like it, you know. And so very few people actually have actually come up and said, "Oh yeah, actually, isn't have, have you taken that from the SAS? You know, the the whole concept." And a couple people said that to me and said, "Yeah, we've we obviously tweaked and who dares wins is now who dares rocks." And people laughed. So yeah, good one. Yes, so, I, yeah. I I did indeed actually did get that reference, and I was going to call the episode that you guys were on something totally different altogether. And then when I was going through the websites before the show because I have all the different websites open in different tabs so I can talk a bit about each artist. I saw that, and I actually changed the name of the episode to Who Rocks Wins, so so there you go. Good one. So you picked up a nice one, yeah. That's exactly what it is. And I think it's a true statement for music, you know what I mean? I think you create your own look in music. If you sit around and waiting for someone to come and say, hey, guys, you know what I mean, you're good. Let's sign you up. It's not going to happen. You've got to go out there and you've got to work as hard as you can, work your socks off, basically, and create your own look. And, and that, I think the logo reflects that. It means who dares rocks. And it's the same thing. It's exactly the same principle. You've got to go out there and make it happen. And that's what we believe in. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so now is a good time as any to play a song because one of the things that I believe in these interviews, it's, it's fine to talk to the band and everything like that, but it's another thing to hear them. So, yeah. why don't one of you guys tell us a bit about Take It Alone? So- Make It Alone, yeah, I mean, that's my personal favourite. I wrote that because, basically, when I started Emerald, when I formed Emerald, I mean, a lot of people say, yeah, it's a passing thing, you know, it's never going to happen, there's, there's so many bands out there, and, you know, if you have to have something special, and it's the usual, you know, people don't have a lot of faith in you when you're, when you're trying to start something like that, and, I, and Make It Alone is just saying, look, listen, if you believe in something, work at it. Put all your, your your faith in it. And if you really believe in something strong enough, you can make it happen. And that's what Make It Alone is really about. Just saying, right, listen, I believed in it. It's something It's something out of nothing. It's getting somewhere now. And, and, and yeah, things can happen if you, if, if you believe strongly enough in it. And that's what Make It Alone is about. So here we are. Make It Alone by Emerald here on Earth FM. <laughs> Cause maybe you believe that I'm wrong 
you're listening to ERKFM episode 73 and we're chatting with a couple of members from the band Emerald. Their song you just heard was called Make It Alone. Now, who does the who does all the songwriting? Is it a collaborative effort between all the members of the band? No, actually, in fact, the first album, Master M, which obviously you've got the tracks from, I've totally writ- wrote everything for it, the music, uh, the lyrics, everything. Because, I mean, when I started the, 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 the project in the beginning, I actually had a lot of st- stuff we already done. And when we came together as a band, I just said, right, listen, I've started the album now, I'll put another couple of tracks to it. I worked on another couple of tracks, got eight songs together and uh, and put it together. And then we, we recorded ourselves. We've got our own recording studio. We've got our own private recording studio. So we recorded it. We mixed it, mixed it ourselves mainly. And then we've done a lot of the production ourselves, in fact. And we sent it to Italy to a mastering engineer who's highly recommended for this type of music. And he done a great job for us, very happy, and done a little bit of extra production on on the album itself. So yeah, so the, the Master and the, our debut album was, was actually all written by myself. But the next album, of course, we're all, it's more of a collective effort. So how uh, how easier, how much easier would it have been to be in your own studio, to have the luxury of your own studio um, compared to having to go commercial and, and that sort of thing? It would have been a lot easier. Oh yeah, I mean, if you just if you just look at the finances alone... The financial aspect of going outside to record a debut album, you know, you're asking five guys in a band to chip in at least five grand each. You're 25 grand to produce anything that's of quality, you know, because studio time is very expensive. And and a lot of the time you're actually paying for the reputation, the name of the studio, more so than what you're going to get out of it. So, and, and unfortunately, a lot of studios are like that. And the UK, obviously, being one of the most biggest commercial markets in the world, studios are very expensive. So to find somewhere that's reasonably priced to produce an album, it's... It's going to be a very hit and miss thing. So I mean, lucky enough, we had a, having our own studio, we took out ninety percent of the cost. And we, I mean, I I made the investment in the studio, put the equipment in there, bought some fantastic equipment. I mean, but it was a big investment to begin with. But you know, obviously, long term, it's worth it. But you can see the, the quality of the sound we've produced and everything. And so it's 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 been a very worthwhile investment. And obviously, having the comfort to being able to walk within two minutes of where you live to walk into your studio and be relaxed about it and not have any time constraints to actually produce something that be out the door. It's it's fantastic. It's a much more relaxed atmosphere. Everyone's happier and it's it really is. You, you can't beat it. If you can if you if you can if you can afford to do it, I highly recommend it to anybody. But obviously you know it's there's a lot of uh, a lot of implications about going out going outside to do it. It it is a lot of financial burden so that obviously has to take in consideration. So yeah. It's fantastic. We're very happy. And then, of course, yeah. you've got the um, amount of people that are in the band, and it, it would be a lot easier to get everyone together at a more mutually agreeable time rather than what time the studio can take you on. Well, that's what I said. I mentioned about the time constraints. You know that, that, that there is that with a studio. Time is money, and you, you know if you, if you turn up if you turn up late, you've already lost some time. You still got to pay for which where we have our own studio. Like you say, we can come. At any time, the door is always the door is always open with the key. We have it, so there's no problems there at all. It's so much more relaxed, and uh, and the, 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 the equipment inside is always set up to what we're doing. It's got our own signature, so there's no fiddling around with equipment, you know, wasting time doing that. So it's beautiful. It, it is a really for as a musician, it's probably a dream come true to have your own your own studio. To be honest, and it's exactly the same as podcasting. Uh, for the la- first year or so, I was always, you know, setting up equipment, taking it down, 
because I didn't have a permanent space. But now I've got a permanent space, I can just get in here, you know, turn the equipment on, it's all set, and just go. And it just so it is just so much better. So I can see how for a band that'd be multiplied. Oh yeah. yeah! Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've in the early days we've rehearsed in when when because we rehearsed in the studio as well. But in the early days when we when we we're rehearsing outside in different studios, it's an absolute nightmare. You never know what sort of equipment you're going to get, what sort of drum kit, what sort of amps, and then you're fiddling around with PA's that don't work. It's the usual for all bands suffer. You know what I mean? And if you can get away from that, it's it's fan. It, it's such an enlightenment, really. It really is working with great equipment, no fiddling around. When you come in, you, you get your sound as it was all the time. It's fantastic, you know, it really is. That's awesome. So how do you come up with your song ideas? What are your inspirations? It varies. It varies. It could be anything. You could be watching TV and you might think something, oh, you could, you could write about that. Or you might listen to music and you think, oh, you know, I, I like that sort of idea. And, and, and it gets you thinking. It's just, I mean, for me personally, <laughs> I actually, at night, late at night, I, I come up with an idea and I think, oh, I'm going to write about that. Or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll actually I'll dream of a riff or maybe a melody. I'll get up and I'll put on a dictaphone and I'll, I'll hum it to myself or something like that. And, I, and the next day I'll work on it. So it could be anything. I've got no set uh, marker for making uh, music, to be honest with you. It can happen anyway. And that's the thing that I've not noticed talking to several of the bands. They'll have something like a dictaphone or a mobile phone or at the very least a pen and paper handy because yeah. you never know when you're going to be inspired. I haven't exactly. really come across someone yet who has had a like a dedicated writing session. Not I haven't spoken to anyone like that for a while. That's had like dedicated writing sessions. Most of it's you know what you see, and sometimes you get some inspiration in some strange and unusual places. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's that's very true. I mean, for me personally, it doesn't tend for me to come just as inspiration from something I've done or something I've seen. It's more at night and, I, and I'll think of something or I'll dream of something because I'm, I'm very, unfortunately, I'm, 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 a, I'm quite an insomniac. I don't sleep very well at night a lot of the time. And my head is very active at night. So I do tend to dream a lot or go around in my head about music and stuff like that. And I'll come up with something and I remember that and I'll put it down. That's how Make It Alone came along, actually. The riff came up in my head. And I thought, yeah, I like that. And then I started working on it. The next day I worked some more and the song came about and then I, you know, I thought, yeah, and then actually the lyrics came about something I really wanted to work about because in in life, very few people will actually encourage you to do something or give you that kind of support that you need. Everyone's kind of more, a lot of people are very self-centered, so you've got to work hard for yourself to get where you want to be, and, I, and that's exactly, like I said, how that song came about, you know, but for me personally, that's how it works. So what's, oh. what's the difference for you between performing live and performing in the studio? Oh, well, I suppose if you ask any musician, it's got to be the buzz. There's a great buzz uh, playing live. You don't get that in the studio. I mean, Because you, 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 in studio, it's routine. You go to the studio, whether it's, it's practice, it's routine. When you go up and play live, it's not routine. You know what I mean? Everything has to be spot on. You have to be more focused. And, of course, you have to be relaxed with that. But the buzz you get when you've got to play into a crowd and you see they're enjoying, they're responding to what you're doing, It's that that really is... It, it's you know, it's so much more focused and it's so much more enjoyable just because of that alone. I love, and playing live, nothing develops you as, a, as an artist, as a musician, than playing live. You can spend all the hours you want in a studio studying, learning, but going out and playing live develops you so much. 
it's, it's, it's the only way. And that, for any artist, you've got to get out there and play live as much as you can because you really will develop as an artist no matter what you play. doesn't matter. So how do both of you mentally and physically prepare for a performance? Ivan, how do you prepare? How do you prepare mentally for oh, performance? Oh, yeah, the, the energy, the people there is... Uh, the, uh, I believe the people... Uh, it's an exchange of energy when we go on the stage and all the people there, we have a responsibility to, to make it happen. And uh, so I think it works together. It's a, a change of energy with the, with the crowd, and that's amazing. I, uh, I love to the live thing, to, to play live. I prefer the, the studio, you have to work on the perfection. You have to get the best of you. The voice has to, to sound nice, has to sound strong, has to sound... And life is that energy. You have to to bring that energy to the people, and and that's how it goes. He's, 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 Eric, he's got a really funny way of warming up before. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Uh, he does. Uh, I've seen Predator, the, the movie Predator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does the thing. Oh, the noise. That's what he does. <laughs> that's how he does for his show. Yes, to get warm, warm. <laughs> You wouldn't want to hear that in the back of a band going to a show, I'll tell you. No, but it's it's always always interesting to find out how um, people uh, prepare to perform, and of course, it would also depend on, you know, if you're a singer or if you you know play an instrument or whatever. So it's always interesting to find out the the difference. So how does a how does a drummer how does a drummer warm up? They just play for a while and. Well, that's me, actually. Um, it's funny because a lot of drummers actually do rudiments, just do rudiments on a pad or on a, on a seat or a cushion, something for it to warm up. But me, I, I, I never, actually, I never I never do anything. I just go up and maybe tap, t- use my, actually, my wrist, just tap my knees a couple of times to warm up. But I've never had any problems, you know. I've always, obviously, you're going to start off with a very high octane, high tempo song. I mean, obviously, it's, it's worth, obviously, to your wrist, how you open the show. But um, generally, I, I don't do anything. It, uh, have a drink, have one drink, that's about it. We all have a bit of banter yeah. before we go on stage. But I think everyone's generally very relaxed. Like, that's one thing I find about Emerald. Very relaxed. Everyone's very relaxed. There doesn't seem to be any nerves or anything that, you know. Obviously, we haven't played any, any major shows yet, but I don't think that's ever been a factor. I mean, when we played in India, we played to a lot of people at that time, but no, I haven't seen any, I, I, I haven't seen any cause for concern with nerves and that. People very relaxed, so. Yeah, I don't know. Mentally, very it's yeah, very confident. There's, there's never any issue there at all, to be honest. So tell us a little... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting some feedback from myself, which is sort of putting me off. Um, tell us a little bit about performing in India. How did that come about? Well, that came about... We, we had some sponsorship from Fila, and one of the agents that worked with Fila was located in India. He, he, he distributed Fila across um, India. He came to see us play live in, in the UK, and uh, he said, well, I really like what you're doing. I love this music. And any chance we can get you over to India for a show? And it was really just at the inception of Emerald time. It just had started. So even wasn't around at that time. We had another vocalist who I just got together at the time. And uh, so I prepared the set list, prepared the music I had wrote at the time. And we said, well, we can go over and obviously do a, a short list, set list, because we don't have all that much material. We've only got together. And we had a date, which was in... Um, I think it was I think it was August 2007 we went over, and uh, we we prepared for we had three months four months preparation for it. We band only really recently got together, so we put ourselves a, a big task. You know, 
at together to get the time at a very short notice, and uh, we went over there. It was all uh, all our expenses were taken care of by this agent in um, in in India. Everything was taken transport, hotels. We got there, we played to played to a, a crowd of Bollywood celebrities, a big big audience. We had over a sit down meal, and it was very very exclusive. And uh, to be honest with you, I was kind of apprehensive about it because I didn't know rock or metal was was kind of on the scene in India at the time. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, it'll be an experience for us. Get together and we we'll do a gig as Emerald and see how it goes. And my God, they absolutely loved the show, the rock. They, I didn't, they, the response was amazing. At the end of the show, they, they were demanding more. Everyone was out dancing and we had to do an encore, come back and play two two songs again. We had a standing ovation and we got off the stage. So I was actually overwhelmed. I couldn't believe the response we got. It's absolutely amazing. So, yes, I mean, that's that was our experience in India. Fantastic. It would have been a lot different from growing up in Ireland. Had you ever thought of even going to India, let alone playing in a band over there? I never even thought of going to the UK at that stage, never mind going to India. Yeah, I mean, music can bring you anywhere. Uh, but I, still, I just I just suppose you don't expect it to bring you to, to India so quickly from just starting an original project within a couple of months and actually heading out of London and going to India that quickly, you know, on, on, on the back of a whim. And that's, that's how it happened. And it was... And actually, funny enough, I don't like travelling by aeroplane. I, I actually hate it. Oh actually. my gosh. And this guy, Ivan, <laughs> beside me, he's worse. He absolutely <coughs> detests it. And actually, the other guitarist is the same. So, I mean, it's funny because three guys in the band are here travelling, but you know, they know we have to do it and it has to be done. It'll <laughs> be so, fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> For drinks. So we do it. So we do it. Anyway. But yeah, going to India was, it was an absolute amazing experience. I, and, you know, we're going, going back there again in March. So, I'm really looking forward to that. So, you know, India is great. Yeah, really, is a fantastic experience. I, I was delighted to have been there and going going back. Definitely. So, what were you thinking when you got off the plane? Were you were you prepared for what was gonna uh, what was gonna happen? Not really. It's 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 definitely a culture shock, and everyone that says there that goes there for the first time will always says that. You know, testified to it being a culture shock. You, you you can't be prepared, even if people do tell you. You know what what situation is like. You think, yeah, yeah, it can't be that bad. But when you go there, you see that it is that bad. You know, and it's it is a culture shock. And first thing you notice when you get off the plane is the the pounding heat. My, it's oh, wow, it's so hot. It's unbelievable. I suppose you used to in Australia, mum, but the heat you're getting. But it's 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 yeah. For me, coming from 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 the summers we get in Ireland or even in the UK, at 19 degrees, like it's like you know, it's like an Indian summer here. But we go over there and you're getting 42, 45 degrees. Wow. It's always yeah, worst. It's, it's 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 an experience just alone to get off the plane and feel that heat. But then when you go obviously come out of the airport and you see see the actual obvious poverty that's around and the hard life that people have, it's it's an eye opener, it really is, you know what I mean? So But the people I have to say they they do every, everything they do to do with a smile on their face. So I've got to take my hat off to them for that and, and they're happy doing what they do. So it's it's a great experience, fantastic eye opener and I, I love the country, really do. So are you more prepared to go back next time? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of what the culture is like, and I know nothing's going to obviously surprise or shock me that I haven't seen more or less already. And, uh, and my favourite food is Indian food, so I mean, I had a whale of a time when I was there. Actually, I had all, I had all around me. I think I came back about a stone heavier. I was only there five days, so it's great. I mean, yeah, it's a fantastic experience. But definitely prepared again for sure. Yeah, we're going to be there there a little bit longer, obviously with the five city tour. But um, yeah, I'm definitely prepared. Looking forward to it. It's interesting, it's interesting because in a few weeks I'll be having a um, Indian special and while you have 
Indian people in the UK and we have a lot of Indian people who come to Australia, you know, there's probably nothing, you know, it's probably nothing like being over there. So, Ivan, tell us a bit about coming from Brazil and coming to the UK. That would have been a bit of a difference for you. Oh, yeah, a few things. Uh, uh, we have a lot of uh, English culture there. We, I grew up listening to English music, like uh, bands. Uh, I grew up listening to Beatles, uh, to, to rock, uh, even U2, Irish, uh, Irish. Now, when I, when I came here, I, I learned the other side. I, I started to you know to go deeper in the, in the culture, in, in, the, in the things. I uh, uh, started to like Thin Easy and uh, other bands that I didn't know. And, and then suddenly I'm more of a mix. Yeah, familiarized with, the, with everything. So it's, it's, for me, it's, it's amazing to It's a new learning. I'm bringing my experience. And mixing with the, with the guys, and it's uh, it's, it's, it's uh, something something new. Uh, I believe we always bring something new, and uh, we we have something original, something something different. Now, Thomas well, was yeah. talking a bit about the cultural shock when he went to India. Did you have much of a cultural shock when you went to the UK? Uh, not that much, maybe. A bit, a bit. <laughs> Fast pace. <laughs> uh, we love uh, fish and chips in Brazil. So <laughs> 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 it was, it was amazing. Nah, it's hard to get fish and chips wrong. Have you dra- have you managed to drag the rest of the guys back to the, back to Brazil? Oh yeah, I'm I'm making some contacts. Who knows? We get something. We get something in the future. Something in Brazil as well. What's the, what's the music scene like over there? I did a special last year that I called the FM Musical United Nations Tour and I featured various music from various continents using the online music source Gemendo just to see what sort of music I could get out there. What's the music scene over there like from what you can remember? In Brazil? Yeah. Yeah, we, there, depends on the, on the... If you... There are a lot of... Uh, diversity of, of music there. Tom, Tom was playing Brazilian music a, a few days ago. I, I got a gig and uh, I invited him to play the drums and we played some Brazilian songs. And uh, is, is there a lot of vi- variety? Uh, how can I say? We have a chef, forró, a lot of different kind of uh, vaneirão. So it depends on the... In, the place that I came from is Sao Paulo, so we have a mix. We have everything there. So it's very, uh, it's huge. It's a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of influences, including uh, we have English music, we have Italian music. A lot of, it's really a mix there. We have samba, bossa nova. We have. Uh, Ashe, uh, Brazilian rock, and Brazilian rock, of course. Yeah, it's it's really it's really quite interesting to hear some of the music because unless you go looking for it, the music isn't going to necessarily come and find you. How have you guys um, used things like social networking and the internet to get your music out there? Oh, we use it quite a lot, and we're using it more now actually because. We said 2010 we're going to obviously maximize 
the kind of work output and, and do start make a lot more contacts and networking and do it that way. So yeah, I mean, things like Facebook and MySpace, they all have their benefits if you, if you use it right and obviously put the work into developing your contacts on online that way. But um, it helps to a point, you know, you've got to, you've got to do a lot of other things as well. So, so I mean, we, we're working on a, a single to release in May of 2010. So we're, we're going to do, we're actually doing quite a big um, PR campaign. We've already contacted a company over here in, this, in the UK who's going to drive us drive the campaign for three months and, and, and release the single. So that's what we're looking at at the moment. But, um, but obviously all the basics about networking and making up contacts, like Facebook and MySpace, them things, that's all been done any behind the scenes, you know. Obviously, but it's obviously the, the, the broader picture, obviously, is, is working with people who already have contacts. And that's that's the thing, but unfortunately, you know, nothing's for nothing. It does cost a lot of money, so you, you know you obviously have to pay for these things. In 2010, that's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to invest actually a bit more in actually the business side of it and get get our stuff material out there to the wider audience. And we know we have to. The only way to do that is to get the right people in who already have the contacts and the the, the power to do that. And that's what we're doing. That's the way we're going to do it. So it sounds like that you've got your head securely fastened to your shoulders and things are all go, go, go for 2010. Yeah, pretty optimistic about 2010, to be honest with you. I mean, like I said, we're working on the new, the new material and personally I believe it's, it's a lot stronger and it's, it's, more, it's got more of an emerald signature now. It's more unique to what we're doing. You know, I think obviously you're, as, you, as, you, as you progress with, with your band and your, your, your music normally, normally progresses with you, it's, it's going to be a little bit different, but I'm, I'm really excited about the, about the new musical writing now, and particularly the single. The single is, I think, it's just, it's just going to be really, really strong in a commercial sense, and that's why we're taking the single. We're going to have a, we're going to record it in March, and we're going to have it uh, campaigned in, in May to our PR company, and, and obviously see what happens with that. So yeah, all all thumbs up for that. I think uh, um, things things are quite positive. We've got a lot of gigs coming in. We're still booking gigs in. We're getting great gigs coming in. Quality shows now, and we're, and we're looking to get some good support act uh, uh, slots as well. So doing all the the right things, you know. What I mean, the basics. Because you can't neglect the basics, but obviously try to minimise the mistakes and not go down the road of making the mistakes of what other people make. Or you know, and obviously just do the right things. So, but it's it's learning experience. We, we want to stay independent for as long as we can. To learn in to to actually learn the industry, so uh, when, when we're ready, we can obviously look at getting in a, a high-profile management or maybe even a, a good record label when we're ready and to go with it. So we do get a good deal. So, but that 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 is the aim. 2010 is definitely the, the year we're looking at making something happen for us now. So the aim, hopefully, is to be able to do this full time and you know not have to rely on a day gig like so many other bands do. Oh, for sure. For sure, I mean, if you look at any manual ever written by any management or any kind of guidance from musicians, it's, it doesn't it doesn't say go out and do as many gigs as you, you possibly can because that doesn't seem to be the way, you know what I mean? If you can do one quality gig as opposed to doing 10 crap ones, you know, that's what matters, you know, and, be, and preparation, you know what I mean? It's not like being prepared because when an opportunity comes, you have to be prepared and you can be prepared. You put the time into the studio and... And, and get ready as a, as a band. You 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 should be prepared. There's no there's no reason why you shouldn't be. But it's about obviously obviously keeping momentum going. Very important to keep momentum going as a band. Keep everybody in choose. You know keep to keep the division high and keep the enthusiasm there. And obviously book good quality gigs in. So because you, you don't want to take ten steps forward and, and a step back and go out and play a bad gig just because you couldn't be bothered and not you know 
Couldn't be bothered to go out and put a bit of extra work and get a good gig in. So we're looking at gigs where we're going to go out where it's going to be a good venue, where we can pull a good crowd and get our fan base down and, you know, and, and really make a good show of it. You know, because we've done, obviously, bad gigs in the past and we've, we've gone past that. So we want to obviously focus on quality all the way. So, but like I say, it's all a learning experience. So is there a crowd favourite? Is there a song that your fans really love? Yvonne probably knows. Yvonne, is there a song you've noticed everyone seems to like more than the others? Uh, I believe this song, Make It Alone, when we play live, is, is, is huge to people because it's kind of kind of groovy. It's a, has, has a... Top lifting. Yeah, it? it's a beat. It's, and uh, I, I'm per- personally, I like Master I Am as well because it's very strong. It's very... And... Uh, and this this BBC BBC thing that was on the snooker and the, and you feel different when you yeah. <laughs> you start to look different at the song and the, was is, are my favorite ones as well. Tell us a little bit about the BBC snooker thing. Well, yeah, um, that was on recently. That was on in, in January. It's the biggest tournament in the UK. It's it's um it's it's an invite tournament, and it's run by BBC One. It's and it's called the um, Snooker uh, Master Snooker Championship, and it's run annually. And uh, this year, they just uh, happened to take one of our songs, which is uh, the the title track from our album Master. And they took the song and made it one of their official theme tunes for the for the series until it ran till the final. Obviously, it's, it's apt because the the, the trophy is called Master Trophy, and the series the, the series is called the Master Snooker. So, and the song being Master and and the whole thing suited their whole vision for it was. It was very apt the way they actually edited and put it together the show. So I mean, and, and we were absolutely delighted because I mean, BBC One is, is the biggest, one of the biggest broadcasting channels, TV, in, in the world. And this is the the, the, the viewership of obviously the championship is watched, it's watched by millions. So we got fantastic exposure from that, you know. So, I mean, obviously we, we pulled some royalties from it as well. So we're very, 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 very happy about that. And it's it's good to see you can get a break like that, you know. From, from from a major commercial TV station taking one of your tracks, it's a big boost to everyone's confidence. So how and do they how do they find you guys in the first place? Well, I mean we've set up a lot of we've set up a lot of um, shop windows basically where people can find us, where find our music, and 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 take it whatever be from music supervisors or iTunes and different forums, different accounts. Basically, we've put our music everywhere so people can notice it and find it and. And you know, just just come across it, even you know what I mean. You may not even be looking for it, but you know, we want it to be where people just looking for music in general, classic rock and up pop emerald. So that's what we're trying to cover every avenue where people can find our music. And like I say, we're getting exposure. People are talking about emerald now. They're talking about our music. So I don't know for sure where they've got it from, but you know, they could have been recommended to them, or they could have they could have just heard it somewhere. They could have found it doing 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 a type search for their music. So I don't know where they actually found. It. I didn't speak to them directly. It was that that this is a um, that's been sorted out for P, with PRS for music on this side of the royalty company, but but you know wherever they got it from, the, the fact is they, they did manage to get it and abuse it, and that's that's the important thing. It must have been a great feeling, you know, for a short amount of time that you guys have been together musically. Um, you've had some great success. You've had you've had that campaign. You've had the the India tour with the one later to come. So. For yep. for a young band, you guys have achieved a lot compared to some other bands who who haven't, even though they may have been in the in the industry a lot longer. Yeah, but that's all down to see. The thing is, you have to have one or two things. You either have to have someone 
who within the band is going to drive the band on a business sense, on a business level, or you're going to have to have someone to come in as a manager who's going to take that role on and actually drive the band forward, make things happen. In, in this case, it's me, obviously. I've taken, I've taken the role on as being a band member and, and band manager. And in some respects, it takes a lot of the enjoyment away from me because it's a lot of hard work. I've got to spend a lot of time each day doing the role of a manager and, and on sorting out a lot of stuff and getting the band opportunities and finding opportunities, communicating people and making contacts and just doing an everyday job as a manager would do. So that's what I'm doing and that's why there is so much momentum in Emerald because I I put a lot of work into doing that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's where a lot of bands lack. There's nobody, one particular person driving the band and a lot, I mean, personally, I think, I mean, you can, I don't think you can have an open diplomatic uh universal situation in a band where three or four or five different members make decisions in a band because it, I, I just don't believe it works. You have to have one person making decisions and going with it. Because, for instance, if you have two or three people agreeing one thing and two other people don't, I mean, what do you do? Do you, do you, do you take the majority and go down that road and then after three months it hasn't worked, then you go back to the, and try the other two people's vision and then you go with that. I mean, you've, you waste a lot of time doing that. If you believe in somebody let them take the role on, let them guide the band, let them take it forward. It's a to put the hard work in. You can't spend time investigating different avenues just, just for the sake of someone's opinion. You've got to go with one direction. And I believe very firmly in that. That's some, that is some great advice and some bands would be, you know, some bands should definitely hear that sort of message. So to finish off, why don't we hear another song? Master I Am by Emerald. Thank you, Thomas, and thank you, Ivan, for... Um, for being here, I, I know it's very early in the morning for me, but and it's very cold for you guys. But <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. We are very delighted to have been on European Classic Rock Radio, and, and uh, on behalf of Emerald and all the guys, myself and Ivan, thank you very much. We love the show. We love what you're doing, and we think you're the best. Yeah, anyway, we think you're the best. No worries. So here we here we go with Master I Am by Emerald. Keep an eye out for these guys. Um, don't forget, guys, that in in the future, you know, when you get an album out or or a new single or even for your tour, let us know and we'll give you another play. There's not a problem about that in the world. No, oh, absolutely. I see that we're, we're, we're releasing and promoting this single in May, so we'll contact you as soon as that ready. Send you a copy over of that, so you can have first first hand of that song. Absolutely guaranteed. Awesome, sounds good. So on behalf of Emerald and on behalf of myself, I'm Erk, you've been listening to episode 73 of Erk FM. More great music on Friday down the pipe and into your ears. But until then, good night interweb.
You have been listening to a Channel Irk production. Channel Irk and all five podcasts are licensed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative, share-alike license registered in Australia. Music is used with direct permission or under agreements with various music providers. All rights to the music contained within remains with the original rights holder. Some sound effects are sourced from the Free Sound Project under Creative Commons. For more information about Channel Irk, go to www.channelirk.com.